Hello, this is Hyperborean Radio. I am the Lore Keeper, and with me, as always, is Celtic God. Say hello to the fine people. Hey, people. How's it going? Well, and um, so today we actually had this topic that we brought up briefly in the last podcast, but I've had some time to think on it and ruminate on it. It's this concept of instead of returning to nature, how about we let nature return to us? Because the thing is, is when you take our people and we go out into the woods, do you know what we end up doing? We end up building houses, and then we build towns, and then we build cities, because enough people move there. I mean, the entire Western United States is only a few hundred, is like a couple hundred years old max in a lot of the settlements, aside from some of the Spanish ones. Mm -hmm. And there's massive, massive cities there, like dwarfing a lot of them in Europe that are thousands of years old. Well, at least a thousand. So... This whole, well, let's just return to nature. Yes, if we return to nature and we go back into the woods, if we still have the same mentality and the same mindset we have now, we're going to just repeat. And it's going to be an endless cycle. And the problem isn't the cities. It's the way that they're done. Because even beavers will build colonies, villages, even beaver cities. Oh, yeah. Beavers will cut down trees. Beavers will farm. They'll They'll actually get, like, crops like water yeah, they'll, crops they'll, like harvest or and they'll cultivate fish in their little ponds so they actually do farm and so do ants mm-hmm. ants actually raise smaller smaller uh, bugs and will actually grow fungus so this whole well humans are so different because we don't do this or that it's it's that whole argument that people have been making where animals well, don't do you see, warfare humans are separated from nature and are above nature we're different from nature so on and so forth and it's all bullshit. Well, they've gone so far as to convince us we have, like, the poisonous touch. Like, oh, no, you touched the baby bison. They'll never accept it back into the herd. We have to kill it. Me. Okay, well, first of all, probably touching the baby bison wasn't the smartest move, because unless you're personal friends with the mama and dad of bison, you're about to get gored. Right. But the, the reality is humans have some of the least amount of scent of any living being. Well, a lot of what's going on is because... People have been brainwashed into thinking that we're separate of nature. So rather than figuring out how to work with nature, in tandem with nature, we're... Okay, I've talked to developers, for instance. And they're like, well, the easiest way to do it, if you want to live with nature, is first you wipe all of nature out. And you start with a blank slate. Then you put up your buildings. Then you put the, the trees and hills and everything back. What? Why not just keep the trees and the hills? And then figure out how to build in amongst them without, you know, wiping everything out. Well, like, and it's it's part of it is that mentality. That it's a Christian mentality. It's Abrahamic. Abrahamic. I'm not even going to pick on just a, the Christians. It's an Abrahamic mentality that we're separate of nature. Well, not only separate, that we're above nature. Yeah. That nature is nature some, is there to serve us. Serve us and kneel when we want it to. Yeah. And, and, and that's just not the way that it is. And, and the thing is, like, what pointed this out to you, I think, in part, not to read your mind, but to read your mind, is when we went out for the uh, the survival camp on Memorial Weekend, whatever. Um, and the first day is always hard when we do that. The second day is easier. But why is it easier? It's because we've built things up. Third day is easier yet. And... Through logic, you can see where eventually we'd end up building a house, a house basically. And then 
well, because there's a house, other people are going to come and then they build a house and on and on and on. And figuring out, well, where would we plant a garden without, uh, you know, destroying the forest? Well, there's a, a spot right there that gets sunshine almost all day long. Well, so right there's where we'd plant a garden. And then that the animals, uh, you get animals that come through or whatever, you encourage them to stay like deer, like when the deer come through. And I mentioned, well, you could encourage the deer to stay and right over there would be a good place to for them to wander around and or to teach them to come up to so that they're easier to get well and the thing is is we used to do that in europe mm -hmm. like we'd have domesticated animals we'd have pigs we'd have geese we've had we'd have uh, cows but simply understanding our nature will allow us to do us uh, like we can be us we don't have to dominate nature we can work alongside of it well but and that, first we have to understand who and what we are we are in, instinctively given enough time going to move out of the tent into some kind of cabin yeah because it's just an improvement it's like a lot of people seem to think that animals when they sleep just sleep on the forest floor almost everything has some kind of burrow or nest or something makes some kind of bedding yeah, like bears will actually build little beds in their burrows. Some of the nests get really complicated for birds. Some of those giant bird nests that people see, like impossibly big bird nests, they're bear beds. They, they built a treehouse. They oh, yeah. actually do that. Yes, there's videos showing them doing well, that. Well, and squirrels will build nests. People don't realize squirrels will build nests. They don't always nest in trees, but trees are good nesting areas. Yeah. That's why, like, Owl and Winnie the Pooh lives in a tree. Mm-hmm. Everything in the woods builds a home. Even deer have burrows. Yeah. They might sleep outside. but Burrows, deers make, deer make nests. They make matting pallets, I Even guess. fish. Fish will make homes. This whole idea that somehow humans building houses is against nature is moronic. We got really good at it. And the thing is, there's a difference between modern houses and what we would typically do. Mm -hmm. Because, one, we'd work with the resources. There's no... Uh, well, this is cherry wood from the, the great rainforest well, or whatever. When we was doing a survival thing, I, we walked around and I pointed out how in this spot you do it this way. In this other spot, you do it a slightly different way. And, and I walked through different ways to build not just shelters, but eventually what would be a house. Well, and while we were building, because we used, uh, like, uh, tarps and ropes and stuff. Mm. We went old school with how we built our shelter. And we used branches and, like, down trees and stuff to hold it up. And it was building up every day. And I, I realized, I had this little epiphany, little boys of our people have this instinctive desire to build. Like, I, I know most people, when they were young boys, if they had the opportunity, would make a fort. They'd make a fort or they'd build Whether a Whether it's out of cardboard or couch cushions. Yeah, we would, or couch cushions and blankets and you, you figure out how to like make an awning. Yeah, and the two girls out there saying, well, I did that too. Yeah, yes, you did, but for a completely different reason. Oh yeah, well, uh, what seems to be the difference is the males focus when they build a fort on the outside, on the structural sound. How big can we get it? Mm -hmm. You know, like everybody's uh, idea of the giant castle-sized box fort. Whereas girls are more of what you can do inside it. Yeah. Like, can you have a tea party? Can you start sorting out where things are? It's, the, it's two different sides of the nesting instinct. 
Well, the there's male, also uh, that's also part of why the boys, for instance, they'll build the forts or the the little toy buildings, and then we turn around and smash it. Smash. We need to see how structurally sound it is. Well, and not only that, what do most forts turn into? There's a reason it's called a fort. It starts becoming uh, war games, yeah, like uh, snow forts for snowball fights, mm-hmm. which is another thing. The males instinctively fight. We have an instinctive desire to brawl, just like cubs of any species. Well, and fem- young females, they have a tendency to... They'll, they'll play like forts and stuff too, but they have a tendency to do the decorating side of it, even without the walls. Like the, the boys are like, but I don't have the walls up yet. The girls are like, that's fine. I know where the wall's supposed to be. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's endearing. And from a, a male point of view, it's kind of odd, but I get it. Well, um, and when you get older, you learn to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's actually uh, old school wisdom. I was reading you a passage from this book I was reading where it's uh, throughout most of the year, uh, men and women don't quite get along and women can almost seem like a burden to men. But around the holidays, they really earn their keep. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that's from from that guy's perspective. So... Like with everything, there's no hard and fast rules. There are, it's more like guidelines. Well, and the reality is from the woman's perspective, the guy is the same way. Yeah. It's we, like I, I've had so many women complain, especially in the winter months when it gets really, really nasty out. I wish the guys would just go outside because we're underfoot. Yeah, it's the, the inside of the house is the woman's domain. The man just gets to visit. He, he gets to put his feet up by the fire. He gets to eat the dinner that's made from the food that he probably went and got. Well, and I know it sounds like we're saying, well, a man is just a guest in his own, in his own house. This is kind of true, but the woman's home is inside the man's house. So it's, it's back and forth. Well, the reality is, is most guys... Once they have the house up and they have the basic amenities, we don't really care. It's why there's like that online meme of guys are okay with living like this and what the frick. Because like guys will have like a small game area, you know, something to entertain themselves in modern day, a bed and just enough dishes to feed themselves. Yeah. And we're fine. Yeah. Basically, we turn them into barracks. What kind uh, of barracks depends on the guy, I guess. But Well, like guys could probably live in those we're pretty minimalist well and it's simply because what's the point of the other stuff Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of how most guys work and yes there are some guys that get well into decorating and we all know what kind of fellas those are yes but there are also guys that try to help their woman decorate the house but it's because we want to feel like it also belongs to us well this is the woman goes and decorates everything he's like this picture, this picture is going up. No, this picture, this picture. I really want this picture. I really, it's just so that he, it's part of his. Well, it's the way I would describe it is like, let's say we have like a traditional wooden house. So not like a, a burrow or a sod house or a tree house or anything like that. Just a traditional, what most people think. The, like the, the farmhouse. Yeah. The, the, the frame wooden house from mm-hmm. like fairy tales. The guy would probably be the one that carved all the all the folk patterns and stuff on the wood. He might have done it when he was bored. Quite likely. Yeah. The woman probably painted them. Yes. Because that's what I was going to bring up is the woman probably did the paint. The man did the carving. The woman did the painting. This isn't a hard and set fast rule, but in general, that's probably what happens. And we can look at 
at some areas where that still happens. The man will carve it and the woman goes out there and paints it. What it is she is we, pretty collars. We, we work together. That's how it works. On an instinctive level, males do male things and females do female things. And yes, there's overlap and there's no hard and fast rule. You aren't a Peter Puffer just because you like, I don't know, to work with drapes. Maybe you're just a talented tailor and that's how you got into it was your your mom sat you down and taught you how to make the drapes. And then you're like, this is kind of silly. And you know, women, they just don't do it right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Because I've met male tailors and... and that work with cloth or guys that work with cloth and stuff. And usually that's what they say is, yeah, women do it just fine, but they don't do it right. Well, and then there's things that are equally male and female. They just bring a different mindset. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, pigeon, uh, pigeon rearing or pigeon, um, like pigeon breeding, because that's a whole thing. Like it's, it's less well known than some specific name for it. Uh, Pigeon fancier or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what the name of it is. Just because you raise the same animal, the males and females are going to come at it from a completely different angle. Mm-hmm. But so one thing for sure I can say that women do better than men, no matter what, is they make a home. Males, we suck at making homes. We can make barracks. We can make defensible areas. Houses were, were fantastic. But as far as making a home, women do that. Yeah, I've never seen where a guy has actually made a home. He's made. I've seen where men have made barracks, made dens, so on and so forth, but never actually a home. It's the two sides of the nesting instinct. Mm-hmm. One without the other is pointless. Yeah, and quite simply. Well, and then to kind of get into this whole, like, to go back to the idea of like, you touch a baby bison, the herd will reject it. No. But humans don't have this magic touch where human scent means reject it. It's It's been removed from the natural cycle of nature. Yeah. Same with baby birds. Same with raccoons. Same with... Well, and with the... Uh, what are those called? The rehabilitation, the wildlife rehabilitation things where they're like, we wear the gloves so that we don't get the human scent on the birds. It isn't because... The, and they will even explain it. It is not because the other birds will reject that bird. It's because that bird will become too used to humans because it grew up with the scent of humans. Well, now, whether or not that's true is highly debatable. Well, yeah, because you can look at old European customs. Like, we used to have neighborhood bears that would just stroll into town. People didn't freak out like, oh, no, there's a bear. They'd just be like, oh, hey, Fred. Yeah. Or you'd have, like, magpies. Our people used to have magpies as quote-unquote pets. Well, still do. Well, yeah. Magpies, crows, ravens, owls, falcons. I've even seen videos of it on YouTube where people's like, yes, this is my crow friend or my magpie friend. He comes by every morning and we have tea. I pour a cup for him and I pour a cup for me. No, he's not mine. No, we make friends with them. There's a difference between like a domesticated animal and a friend. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is oftentimes they're the two, two of the same thing. Well, and part of this whole returning to nature does require allowing nature to return to us. There's nothing. I guess the biggest thing is we just have to stop. Just not. Well, it's like, um, like, I'm going to use an example that seems as far removed from nature as you can get, which is cathedrals. Mm -hmm. Cathedrals are a symbol of. uh, It's a synthetic mountain. Yes, it's a synthetic mountain. It's a stone forest. It's an artificial cave. 
That's what most of these are designed to imitate. They are specifically pulling from nature. And then they cover it in our divine symbols like uh, ivy, knotwork, uh, worms, gargoyles, green men, Sheila and a gigs, mm-hmm. on and on and on. And that's true enough to nature. It's, But in the end, think about how some of our old tribes are described. Like, I really detest when people have, like, the sexy dirt. Uh-huh. Or um, they, they depict our people as barely able to build anything. Like, we were, we were covered in, like, furs and leathers and, like, basically hopping around the fire like an African tribesman. It's like... And then you actually look into how the tr- northern tribes were described. And these are, these are ones that are basically described as living what most people in the modern day would think fairly primitively, like Conan the Barbarian-esque. Right. One... Rome and Greece, for like a thousand freaking years, opted not to fuck with the northern tribes. Mm-hmm. They, they, and Rome was invaded multiple times throughout its history and lost to like the Gauls. Well, and, and different for tribes. all these, um, for all these wild tribesmen that couldn't figure out how to rub two sticks together to create fire, Rome openly admitted that it took many of its armor designs and some of its other tech designs from the northern tribes so the the very idea of plate armor came from these wild men of the north chainmail came from the wild men of the north the gladius came from the wild men of the north the shield design came from the wild men of the and, north and of course they adopt adapted them mm-hmm. but it's like or uh, i mean they're not one for one but the romans will well they won't anymore because they're dead but the Romans did admit that they took the designs from the Celtic and Gallic tribes. Well, the Romans still exist. They're just mixed in with all the other Italian tribes Yeah, I tribes meant the now. Empire. Yeah, the, well, the Empire is still around if you argue yeah, the Yeah, it's called the Church. Catholics. But um, the Romans themselves are part of the broader Italians yes. now, which they always were, actually, if you look into the origin of the Italian yeah. name. But the northern tribes were not running around in loincloths if they were it's because it was fucking hot yeah it's like today if someone wears short shorts it's not it's because it's freaking hot and they're wearing as little as they can legally get away with well and then bear that in mind too like right now we are in one of the coldest periods of earth's history yes climate change is real we're warming back up to normal to like uh pre-christianity so then think about how warm it's getting how uncomfortable it's getting the fact that we live away from water is kind of an oddity well yeah we mostly live near water and we lived in trees we lived in mountains and we had also that we wear clothing all the time yeah and look at what a lot of our guys are guys and gals are doing now the women are even the ones that are more modest so i'm not talking about your your crazy people from LA I'm talking about Midwesterners a lot of the females unless they're fat hippos will run around basically in a bikini and a wrap most of the summer because it is fucking hot well the guys will run around in in loose shorts and no shirt or loose shirt shorts and a sleeveless shirt and a loose one because it's fucking hot. Well, and then especially when you realize that before the coming of the church, we didn't we didn't have a problem with nudity. It's not that you ran around buck naked all the time. No, it's that that was an option if it was fucking hot. Right, and, and depending on what you're doing, yeah, it's like, like you don't necessarily run through the woods but 
butt ass naked. Yeah, you don't want brambles in your sticks are sharp. And, yeah, and you don't want to impale your uh, freaking dick. Well, on everybody a knows that bush. testicles are, are sensitive, whether whether they have them or whether they like them. Testicles are sensitive. Yeah, and the last we, thing we you want, want is a bunch of brambles up. on. Them. Yeah, right. Exactly. We don't like running through the thorns with those things hanging out. So, it's. It's a lot of old lady diapers. It is. It depends. It is. And it's good for us to be true to our nature. And we can't force it either. Well, no. And then things are so twisted. It's like you got to go back step by step. Mm -hmm. Though This is just because I find it funny and I wanted to fit it in somehow. I found out recently what the original, what gymnasium actually means. It means a place to exercise naked. That which I ain't gonna lie, I'd be I would never go to a gymnasium because me hanging out with a bunch of other naked <laughs> dudes. I call me a prude all you want. I'm not doing it. Oh, I'm not encouraging that. I'm merely saying I'm not this, doing it. But it is, it is funny. It is funny. That's why I brought it up. But I'll admit I'm a bit too prudish for that. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm like you guys do you. I'm no. <laughs> well, and I won't lie. I enjoy wearing flannel like any good Midwestern man in the. Right, in the wintertime, winter I, I kind of prefer clothing. It is nice. In the summer, I wear as little as my modesty and the law will allow. <laughs> but, like, e- even if nudity was, like, perfectly acceptable, my my modesty wouldn't allow me to do that. Well, and then we, we will decorate ourselves. And here's the thing is, we're not the only animal that decorates ourselves with no. clothing. Yes, most of them don't spin cloth. But think about how other animals work. There's a there's a kind of I think it's a vulture. Mm. It's one of the it's that really oh, yeah, metal it covers vulture. itself in the clay to in paint red clay red. and gives itself basically a red mohawk. It is so metal. Yeah, it, it is, is the most metal bird I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's mostly I think in like North Africa, but it's also in like Germany and parts of Europe. There's uh, other birds that will do things like they will put typically they will put feather, uh, flowers and whatnot, weave them into their to make themselves look prettier. They will also use cloth. They don't make cloth, but they will collect the bright bits of colored cloth that we use and weave them in amongst their, their feathers to look pretty. Well, that's the other thing. Weaving is not a uniquely human thing. All birds in SR is weaving. Yeah. Birds are naturally really good weavers. I mean, it's like you want to see what a bird city looks like. There are bird cities. Yeah, like, uh, uh, swallows? Swallows will build those clay cities on the sides of buildings or mountains. And then you actually have this one bird in Africa. It's basically like a bird locust. They actually blow them up. They're that big of an issue there, apparently. But um, they will nest in such a way that entire like parts of woods, like several trees, are weighed down and bending over by the amount of bird nests. Yeah, well, and there's ones in the north that will do the same thing. I don't, I don't remember what they're called. Um, uh, but there's also, like, eagle eyers. Oh, yeah. Those are... They get big. Oh, yeah. They and, get, and it's not just, like, one eat one set of eagles right there. No, they, will, they actually will go in colonies if there's a high enough population. And a very similar thing happens. It starts to actually look kind of like an apartment building. Well, it's like uh, storks in Europe. And no, I'm not advocating for apartment buildings. No. The the way that we do them now, it's it's for deserts. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it brings in the heat for the night and bring, lets it out in the, the day, mm-hmm. which is kind of... Ugh. But the... Um, yeah, because like when I lived in Iowa, 
there the eagles nest along the river. There's whole nests just set up in the same area. You can have like a hundred eagles fishing in the same spot. But just for survival, we, we require for yeah, shit. Just for survival, not even to live. Just for survival, we require as a species, we require other people. Which means, if we go out to the woods, we are going to find other people. And let's say that we start off with nothing. Nothing. So then we're making survival shelters. And we're just out there surviving. Somebody else will find you. They want to survive close to you, near you. And eventually, you're going to end up building houses and cabins and, and whatnot. It's Why? Just because it's more comfortable. It's easier. Well, and the thing is, like, you've met people that have built houses, you know, without an architectural degree. They just built it with their own two hands and, like, this needs to be sturdy. I want to live here with my family. I don't want it to fall in. Well, most people in rural areas know that house that was built by this guy who was not a construction worker. Him and his friends got together and built this house 100 years ago in a weekend. And the family still lives in the house. And it is structurally sound like it's probably even been hit by a pickup truck or a plow truck well and then you also have like the oldest house i think in michigan is um it look it's literally a burrow like it has a tree and roots coming down oh, on yeah. it well that's the legend is that's one of the the oldest houses and yeah it's uh the easiest way to describe it kind of like a log cabin that the ground is up and around and then there's a tree growing directly on top of it which goes around the, the, the roots of it, go around the living space. And it's in the UP, and the legend is, is that it's one of the oldest houses in Michigan. And not an engine house. Mm-mm. No. But, and then this brings me to another thing, because, like, that's in the winter, yes, if you were just outside all the time, you'd probably freeze to death. But so would any other animal. Any other animal would freeze to death. Yeah. Being exposed like that, I mean, even deer will get under under uh, the branches of trees, and they'll mat down the, any grass or bushes or whatever. It'll lay up off from the ground, and they lay together. Yeah, is that not a type of shelter? Well, and then most things in the north semi hibernate, including us. Yes, it, it saves food, it saves energy, it allows for healing, it allows for honestly a longer life every time i hear someone say i have seasonal affective disorder what i hear is i should have been hibernating yeah i haven't been sleeping enough that's what i hear well and so many things it's it's not necessarily a grand conspiracy it's just little things over time like for instance clothing we've brought up before that clothing as it's cut is made for nobody in mm-hmm. our countries that's why your uh, the fat on most of our uh, midsections is bifurcated because mm-hmm. it doesn't naturally stop where your belt is what's happening is the normal lay of fat that would have gone all the way down to your freaking crotch is cut in half at that point and you have two separate fat pockets which is also causing back problems because your body weight is not evenly distributed right so as a result this shifting because if you look at old clothing like old pictures old illustrations everything comes up around the belly button well and all it takes is three generations like some of the things that we've spoke spoken against and we talk about what used to be natural versus what's going on now and you look around and everybody's like oh no it's always been this way it takes three generations that's it three generations it doesn't matter it can be a 
a genetic shift or it can just be a cultural shift after three generations well why do you, why does everybody mow their lawn down so short i don't know we just always have well, it's, three generations is all it takes to reinforce that notion. Well, it's like dandelions were brought over as a food source. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the Great Depression, they were a major food source. Most people wouldn't eat the ones in their garden, and I don't blame them because more than likely they're covered in freaking pesticides. Well, and there's certain people where if you talk to them about the importance of homeschooling over uh, public schooling, they get a, a horrified look on their face like, you can't do that. We've always public schooled. No, we haven't. But it's been prominent for three generations, so they think that's always been this way. Well, that's how long it takes to wreck a memory. It's why it's so important, if we can, to talk to our elders before they die. Because we only have so many. Well, and if if you want evidence for this, let's go back three generations. Don't count your own, but you got your your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. Who were your great-great-grandparents? Anybody. No no cheating, no looking. Who was your great-great-grandparents? If you even know who your great-grandparents were. One, that's a lot of them. Pick anyone. Who was your great-great-grandparent? We don't know. In general, we don't know. Most of us don't know who our great-grandparents were. A good Either of us. their names. We, we just don't know. This is how quickly something detrimental can be normalized. Well, and it's actually why, because if you want to see how our people, why our people value something, think about the emotional relation to it. Think about the the social, the importance placed on it. It's like churches are not important to a community because they're churches. They're important because of the things that happen there, the weddings, the baptisms, the rites of passage. From time immemorial. From people's perspective. And even before that, most religious buildings were built on old pagan holy sites. So... That's the association, and it's the same with everything else. It's like, well, you should go to school because I remember I liked school, and it, it turns There's into emotional association. There's a reason why they're trying to destroy and alter history. It was written down as a time was written down as it went by for a very long time. And I know I'm not the only one that's noticed that there is a concerted effort to alter history, to change history as it was written at the time and and change the context and nuances of everything there's a reason for that is to make what is going on now appear to be normal fortunately we can backtrace and test what is actually normal to our people because it was written about some of the best um some of the best insights is actually not even written by the people like you go back a few thousand years and you ask a Germanic tribesman what it means to be a Germanic tribesman. He just looks at you like you're insane. However, the Romans that, that went there, they wrote down what was different about these Germanic tribesmen versus themselves. Well, that's kind of the point. Everyone's doing comparative mythology and comparative cultures wrong. Everyone's, They're doing it backwards. Yeah. Everyone's so obsessed with we're all one people. We're not. We're not. That they're trying to make everybody match up. So they're trying to make everyone agree by focusing on the, on the, the things simil- that are the same. And then hyper-focusing on them. Right. Instead of lo- using the comparison to understand the differences. It's like uh, I moved here in Michigan from Iowa. There are things in Michigan that I find weird that are not present in Iowa. And there are things that 
I've told you about Iowa, you're like, that's fucking weird, dude. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Or things like, well, all of our people had not work. This is true. But when you get looking, they're not the same not work. The Celtic not work versus the Scandinavian not work versus the uh, Germanic not work versus the Gaelic or the, the Gallic not work. And even, yes, uh, the Iberians had not well, work. Well, the, the Romans did too. Okay, it's, I was unaware of the Romans, but... The Romans and Greeks, it's on their pottery. It just looks so different the, the from what The Slavic and so on and so on and so on. We all had not work, but the thing is, once you know what you're looking at, you can tell where it came from. Oh, it's like uh, the, the German knot work eventually became Germanic scroll work, which is like the ivy with like the oak leaves and, and the everything. flowers. And it, you see it everywhere in, in America. If you have kitchen, wooden kitchen chairs, you probably have it on your kitchen chairs. And some of it is titled as English. But if you chase that English scroll work back, they will, there's an admission that it is copied from the Germans. Well, and the, the Germanic scroll work... I Googled it to try and find more examples of it. It was apparently really common to put it on guns. Yes. Which is amazing because in my head, I know this isn't the only use of not work. There's many uses of not work. But I always associate it mentally with like the web of weird or the, the web of fate or whatever. I know those aren't the same thing, but just so people have kind of a concept, right. the threads of fate. And yeah it's fascinating to think of how these these symbols evolved and it, these things end up sticking around and they're just not what people think because if you constantly try to match up like i don't know austrian culture with norwegian culture sure there's going to be some overlap because we're all on the same freaking continent we're the same freaking species but there's a pretty big difference and both of those areas have a lot of mountains so it's they're both mountain people well and here's one thing that kills me with with our nature is you have somebody looking at, I don't know, let's go with the German scroll work, which is just German not work. And they're like, the esoteric meaning of stop that. The Germans aren't going to be hiding the information from other Germans. So therefore, it's not hidden from the, the, the Gaelic tribes. It's not hidden from the Scandinavian tribes. It's just they don't understand it when they look at it. Well, and to actually bring something there up. There is no esoteric anything when it comes to our people. What are you hiding from your children? What would you actually hide from your children and be like, no, you can't have this information. I'm going to jealously guard it. What would you do that with? You wouldn't. Well, it's to, to use some examples from my own life. Like I've brought this up before. Like I'll do a, a happy dance, for lack of a better term. It starts turning into the German stomping dance. I was so mad when I realized that I was doing that because I always think the, the Schultoppel. I can't pronounce it. I'm too Americanized in my the speech German, pattern. The German stompenwampen. Pretty much. <laughs> um, but it's 5,000 years old. So, of course, it's ingrained in me to a little right. extent. Or, uh, like, I used to doodle, like, these swirling movement patterns when I got bored. And when I got really bored I'd, and I ran out of room for the swirls, I'd start adding leaves to them. And then I find out, oh, I was doing Germanic knot work and I didn't even realize it. But for anybody that... that is now wondering, well, what does all the, the knot work and scroll work mean? First, knot work is... Decoration. It's an, it's an unfortunate uh, effect of the language. It's not literally rope knots. Can you do it in rope? I suppose if you're really dedicated, you can figure out how to do the knot work in real rope. But it's pretty frames. We draw 
pitchers. We still do it today. We will draw a picture to frame in a picture or words or an idea. It is just a framework that is pretty. And why do we do that? Because it's pretty. Well, and you can use it for symbols. I mean, there, but well, anything there might be symbols symbol. incorporated in it, but they're not hidden. Like the one of the famous patterns for the the Irish and the Scots, for instance, you got the 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 knot work, the scroll work, right? And then there will be like waves that go around it. There's nothing hidden or secret about it. Well, and that's it, that is exactly what it is. It can mean different things depending on the context. Like it might mean. Just water is pretty. It could mean travel. It could mean we we live by the water. There's all kinds of things that could mean, but none of it is hidden. How often do we actually write in code? We don't really. It, when it's, we do, it's mostly wartime. And here's the thing is, this is why I always balk when people start going on about esotericism. One, it's not esotericism if you're posting on esotericism. Yeah. By definition, esotericism is hidden knowledge. If you're able to post constantly on it on Instagram, it sure as shit ain't hidden. Yeah. Uh, but number two, the entire idea of an entire society's mythology being based around esotericism is moronic. Yeah. It, the society would not be able to run. Sure, you don't tell everything. It's like a blacksmith. All the skills of blacksmithing are not going to be given to the person on the first day. In the same token, most people won't even know Even if it. it was, even if it was, could the person actually understand it? The, the answer, quite simply, is no. Well, and then you, some, you can't understand everything on day one. And it's not that the, the, the teacher is holding any information back because it needs to be hidden. No, he's probably been giving the information the whole time. You just couldn't understand it until you got to this point. He's not hiding anything. None of the information is hidden. Well, and here's the thing is you can only learn so many things in life. And yes, the hyper-specialization that exists in modern society is a way of controlling people because they run out of having basic survival skills. But in reality, you can never learn anything. So, uh, not learn anything. Learn everything. Mm-hmm. So you have to actually put the work I mean, in. Specialization's been a thing for as long as we've been people. Yeah. I mean, and I'm going to get weird for a second and say we was man-shaped before we were even people. Or at least nearly so. Oh, yeah. Well, that it ties into the idea that we were a bear-like species. That's what most yes. of the folklore goes into. And then we, we got the gifts of strength, courage, and wisdom, and then we became men. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, we've specialized for since longer than than memory because you have the guy that makes the really good knives, stone knives, and you got the guy, don't know why, but he's really good at making arrows really straight. You got a woman or a guy who's really good at making twine and rope. So then that's what they do. They become specialized in a particular skill well you can only become a master smith if you put the time into blacksmithing yeah and it'll cost you other skills it's like the warrior and the barter brothers because you can never master both you can't be both a warrior and a bard you can be a bard that can fight or a warrior that can sing but you can't be both correct and then this is the thing is we're so alienated from our nature on a psychological on a societal on a nature on a biological way like 
there's an entire argument among people like, what are white people's real hair color? This isn't an argument. We have all the hair colors. I mean, just, just go look on your own head. Yeah, you, go, go look in the mirror right now. And if you're blonde, find, you'll find hairs that are not this. Your hair is not a uniform color. Every hair on your head is not the same color unless you dye it that way and then wait a couple days. And guess what? The roots are starting to change color. Well, and it's because, simply put, we're like any other northern animal. Look at foxes. Look at lynxes. Look at bears. Look at wolves. They come in an array of pelt colors. And even we'll if, learn how to paint them, for yeah. instance. Uh, the best painters of, um, well, like our friend Neil shared a video with me because I was asking him, you know, about painting the, the fur on animals that he paints. And he showed me a couple of videos. He's like, this guy does it really well. And the guy was explaining, you know, the brown bear is not all brown hair. There's going to be red hair in it. There's going to be blonde hair in it. There's going, and he discovered this by actually looking at the hair of a brown bear, like the real hair of a brown bear. There, there's black hair in there. There's brown hair in there. There's blonde hair in there. There's red hair in there. And it doesn't grow uniformly. No. That's, it's just a biological component. It's the same with diet. We are convinced to follow, I don't know, the Atkins diet or the, the keto diet or the vegan diet or the carnivore diet or anything. Instead of just listening to our body and thinking about it. it it's It's been a thing that's been said for a while the best diet is the ancestral diet and mm -hmm. even that has to adapt because you can't grow everything in from scandinavia right in florida so if you move from scandinavia to florida which first of all i'm surprised you survived right but um if you did that um you can't grow all the scandinavian foods in florida or vice versa yeah so there's a different there's a little bit of adaptation to the local environment required but it still basically boils down to the the thing I've said before is eat what bears eat, just adapt it to human sensibilities. Well, and we're not broken. It's just control mechanisms. We've been taught incorrectly. We've been taught against our instinct. You take the little boy, the little girl. They're constantly... They const have information constantly pushed at them, telling them that there's something that they're not. Well, women are constantly attacked psychologically. It's like we said, feminism... Well, that's why I'm anti-feminism, is because feminism hates women. Oh, yeah, they've convinced women that cooking is sexist. Like, uh, I brought this up a while ago. There's a, there was a meme where it's like, what do you mean, can I cook? Can you build a house? First of all, this is not an even comparison. Cooking is a skill needed to survive. If you, Period. If you have become so ideologically... Uh, infiltrated in your own head that you think a basic survival skill is the product of the patriarchy you need to examine some stuff because that's that's arguing that survival itself is sexist your own survival yeah uh, basically yeah it's saying women can't anything yeah and that, that's, that's exactly what it's saying well and We've always historically valued our women this whole men would keep women chained in the frick no man thinks that's a good idea. It, well, when it comes to that stuff, it's like when I argue with Al. It will take stuff from the Middle East and Asia and Africa and throw it in on top of the Hyperborean people trying to average everything out. 
Well, not everybody, and then it'll mention an explicitly Middle Eastern thing. It'll mention an explicitly African thing and insinuate that's a European thing or a Hyperborean thing when it's not. And I have, fortunately, I know enough to be able to call it out. And it's like, well, yes, that's true. It's not actually part of, of Europe, but it is a people. Well, that's the other thing is all the peoples are the same when they want to heap all the sins of the world on us. Yeah. Whereas all the people are different when they want to absolve other people of any issue. Mm-hmm. It, it's selectiveness. It's it's not a real argument. Well, and it's not that we're perfect by any means. Oh, we're no. perfect at being who we are. Yes. And we're constantly not allowed to be. And that's what I was starting the whole discussion with. Instead of returning to nature, let nature return to us. And how we do that is by stop fighting, not just... Not just the dandelion growing in the yard, not just the shrew that happens to the nest next to the road in in the pile of leaves, mm-hmm. but not fighting our own nature, not fighting, oh, hey, I want to ask this girl out instead of having to go through like seven different mental blocks of, well, what if she doesn't like it? What if I end up on some weird registry like that poor kid right, who just, touched it? Just go do it. Just go do it. Stop fighting it. It's like women love men, men love women, and some people are a little bit. Mixed some people up. are broken, whether they was born that way or made that way. But and there's only one way that we're going to find the ones that's not. We have to reach out. Yeah, we have to start looking for other people. And here's the thing. Oh, like that dude uh, yesterday, the 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 old guy yesterday. Great beards, thumbs up from the uh, oh, yeah. from the the road. The beard club is real. Yeah, it, it's it's a. Uh, it was fantastic. It's a common joke um, that uh, the one thing guys are comfortable complimenting each other on is our beards. It, it's it's true. It's enough. true. Well, and we've we've thought about making certain products just to do a bit of plug. And thank you to our patrons who help support this and all the work we do. Uh, and you can also support us on Buy Me a Coffee. But we've thought about making a shirt, and we've kind of made one, which says "Bearded for Her Pleasure." Which you got to wait until the website comes out to be able to access that. Yes, but quite literally, because if women didn't like beards, we would have run out. We would have I mean, stopped selective having them. Selective breeding is real. That's oh, yeah. why men go bald, and that's why we grow beards. That's why we have tendency to be big. That's why we can put on so much muscle mass. Selective breeding is real. That's why. That's white- why women are women are pretty. Yeah, that's why our women are pretty. Why they have nice big titties usually. And wide hips. And, yes, there's there's variety, but there's also, you know, manlets that need to go get the dwarf pill. It, it right. happens. Yeah, it happens. So there's variety among all of our people. But another thing I've thought about, because there used to be customs involved in how to get people paired up. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, there used to be like body language that was socially taught. Like a woman does this with her fan uh, when she yeah, likes a guy. Yeah, I was going to bring that up to Southern Bell, and there was a whole language built around fans and it wasn't just a southern bell but that time period which i believe is also known as the victorian time period right roughly then roughly then a but little before the but, little yeah. flutter this way in this way means doth approach well, you, and uh, the the blocking of this way means i don't like you stay away well and that's you can even see it in some like movies set in the time period mm-hmm. and um i've thought about trying to mimic that and the idea that came to me was there was this old west picture that was three guys in front of their cabin in the Pioneer West, and it had a sign on it that said, Wives Wanted. Oh, yeah. And I thought about getting a hat that guys could get that says, 
wives wanted or wife wanted to, you know, deny the polygamy real, possible. Real men want real women. Yeah, stuff like that. And here's the thing. We are biologically designed to be attracted to each other if we're healthy. Yeah. All the makeup does, all the gels do, all these other things do is make you look healthy when you're not. They make you unhealthy by denying you your own nature, by denying who you actually are, and then sell you back the masks and the makeup that allow yeah. you as a male or female to appear healthy. Let us, let us take the milk of which you like to drink. We're going to rip it apart. We're going to destroy everything about the milk, and it's going to make you sick. So we'll sell you a pill so you can now drink the milk, drink and eat the milk that we destroyed that you can naturally eat and drink. Well, and convincing our women they're weak. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, in comparison to the men, yeah, you're about half our strength. Uh, I mean, powerlifting females well, and have what is, about what this. What does strengths even mean? But uh, you're talking about, about physical strength in this, in this, in this uh, uh, context, but convincing our women that they're weak. This means more than just physical strength because... Well, no, women are strong, and that's how they convince our women that they're weak, by telling them that they're strong in ways that they aren't. Well, they, they, they make uh, uh, well, off-brand men. They make women into off-brand men, right. men. And the thing is, women are stronger in, than men in some ways that we can't even fathom. This is something I've heard women say, but I've never heard men say. I've heard women say it. I'm a strong woman. I don't need nobody. With the head bob, the finger pinch, all that. I've never heard a man say, I'm a strong man. I, need, I don't need anybody. I've never actually heard a real man say that. I've heard children say that, male children, but I've never heard a man say that because we know that we need people. Well, we need people. Even if we're capable of surviving on our own, we need a reason to survive. There's a difference between simply being able to survive and being able to live. And real men understand this. Women have been brainwashed into, I don't need nobody. Well, I've actually heard women say this, which is their, their mom told them they would disown them if they were, became a housewife. They can be anything else. They don't care what than a housewife and i don't think people understand how housewives worked housewives were not just unemployed people that worked as live-in maids well because of for our nature let's use feminism if feminism was truly part of our people and was for the welfare of women they would raise up the importance of being a mother of taking care of a home of have uh, of loving a husband and being loved by a husband they would push up the idea of how women hold families together rather than tearing them apart well and it but they don't do that because feminism hates women it was created not to get all political but to get political for a second it was created by mean old lonely women that wanted the young women to suffer like they did well and the reality is is there have this has happened many times because there are wars where too many men die and there aren't enough men to go around there's two options in this instance either have like a mistress or like temporary polygamy system i'm not pro polygamy i'm just pointing out this is kind of how you stem the tide of this happening is if there's not enough men right. to go around you have to work or with you, you end have. up with mean angry women that can't get men so therefore no other woman should have a man either yes well and here's the thing is when men went to work that first 
when we first started working outside the home on mass, it was a sacrifice for our family. It wasn't some privilege we had. Yeah, it wasn't to escape. No, I, even I've, I've never heard, unless the man has a really bad home life, I've never heard a guy be like, yeah, I love leaving, leaving my house, my home, my family to go work for 8, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. Yeah. Never or, heard it unless his wife is just mean. And the reality is, is, yeah, we brought up that men typically didn't stay in the house all the time. But we both get irritated with each other if we're mm-hmm. around each other all the time. That's well, why. That's we what we have an outside, we should have an outside yard for. That, or a workplace that, because let's be honest, not everybody could be the, the blacksmith. But if you got a small village, and let's say you have the smithy. I am also a smith. I might walk next door to work at your smithy and we work together. Or, or walk you, a, a sh- very short distance, a quarter mile, to go work with you every day at your smithy, and then I take my ass back home. But I don't stay there for 16 hours a day every fucking day. Well, and another thing is uh, holidays. Holidays are not a day. It's a season. Mm-hmm. And it used to be understood that... Well, like, and we understand this. I've, I've brought it up to normies. I don't know what to call them, but people that have no interest or knowledge or they're, they're completely unaware of, of our natures, of paganism, heathenry, the way, and bring up that Christmas is a season. It's not a day. And watch them light up. Same with Halloween. Same, Same way with, with Halloween, Easter, Easter um, uh, early summer celebrations. Like, I'll bring up, like, Memorial Day to 4th of July. It's actually a season. They're like, yeah, man, I, I've felt that before. Well, and it, it's a season that we don't fully understand because it's been so Americanized. But what the 4th of July is is American Midsummer, and what Memorial Day is is American May Day. Mm-hmm. That's effectively what these two days are. Well, and they can even feel it in the air. It's, it's part of the nature, and that's part of why we struggle with the way things are set up now the idea currently is to remove us from nature so we stop and examine rethink all this information that that we think that we know to quote masha they are content in what they know and so never think to ask never think to question uh, never think to question there you go you know the quote better than i do and i'm it the is one a good that wrote quote. it but it, it's it's true. We need to stop and, and start questioning everything. Well, and a lot of what happens is a lot of what can help stop this is if people just ask themselves why or they actively make a choice. Even if they choose the same thing every day, make an active choice. Don't just, I don't know, let's say you walk to the local corner store every day and get yourself a coffee or get yourself an energy drink or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you go up and you immediately just grab the same thing every day. And it's an autopilot. Yeah. Make an active choice. Like, go back there and be like, hmm, which one do I want? Even if you pick the same one every day, give yourself that brief pause of choice. To think about it. To think about it so that it doesn't become autopilot. So you don't live your life like a robot. Yeah. It's, that's some excellent advice. I was going to give some other excellent advice, but I forgot what it was. I'm sure it was brilliant. Brilliant. Just absolutely, absolutely brilliant. brilliant. It would change the way everybody views life in general. 
but because of the esoteric meaning of the universe, it slipped and away. Duck anuses and all yes. that other stuff. It's because of duck anuses. Yes, secret of duck anuses. <laughs> but yes, there's. Uh, we need to stop and start examining things. Start questioning, even if things actually are what we thought. Just question. There's nothing wrong with question, and then question the answer. Some people think that <clears throat> returning to nature, well, yes, that means turning off the electricity and stop using airplanes. No. Our people, we are technologically We're going driven. To- it's what we do. Think about thousands of years ago. We invented armor. We invented weapons. We invented different ways to plow. So did some other people. Well, even just kids. It, the the kids will take like rubber bands or whatever they can get and they'll take like a freaking clothes hanger and they'll make a bow and arrow that can go through cardboard that can go through uh, drywall right. they don't even necessarily have to be taught how to do it some do but some will figure it out on their own and then they're taught to not to do that yeah why are we teaching them to not to do that if the kids got that level of skill start, start teaching them how to make long bows right like if, something anything it well, doesn't matter well, and we have to start encouraging our own nature again, not denying it, not mm-hmm. attacking it like it's something broken. It's like the DNR has actually admitted this. Their job is to keep us from connecting to our wild selves, yes. keep us from becoming the animal or whatever. And, yeah, there's a there's a going animal can have negative consequences, becoming basically a, a ravenous creature. But there's also just being who we are, not constantly fighting, not being the greyhound kept inside all the time, not being the circus bear, not being the elephant whose tusks were removed. We can be ourselves without becoming, you know, babbling monkeys like people seem to be afraid of. We're not like that. First of all, we was never monkeys. No, but that's how people think we're going to turn into. I know science would have you think that, that we were monkeys, but... Stop and question and look and think and ask, and then all of a sudden it seems far more plausible that we was that we descended from bears or bear-like and, and bears descended. Yes, us and bears descended from the same animal. That's far more plausible. Well, in almost every race we've told that to is like that makes sense. Yeah, because we're not monkeys. But the, the ones that are like, yeah, we're monkeys. They'll look at us and be like, yeah, no, we're no. There's something you're not monkeys. Yeah, there's something else going on. Something else. So it's. Returning to nature does not mean turning your back on technology, but it does mean not being reliant on it. Like limiting your your screen time. Here's the best way to do it is do things where you don't want to look at the screen. Do something else. And it's something as simple as like if you like working on a car, work on the car. If you like raising chickens, raise chickens. If you like bird watching, bird watch. And, and, bro, I get it. I get it. Right now, it seems like there's nothing else to do but that screen. And that's by design. That is by design. If we can start living in a more natural way, getting around people more interested in being natural, following the way, we stop having such a desire to sit and stare at the screen, and we have more of a desire to go to the park and have a cookout and sing and dance and throw rocks. It doesn't matter. Well, and here's the thing is our own nature is to find the things human make, humans make beautiful, that mankind make beautiful, especially when it's right next to nature. What is the most beautiful? 
Is it just a field of trees untouched by man, overrun with brambles and debris that needs to be taken out with a forest fire? Is it a the middle of a city, crowded and smoky and smelling of piss and liquor? Or is it that small town that happens to have a lot of trees, that happens to have the the beautiful handmade house, the the... The, the statue of the local town hero with flowers and animals and all these things. Where is these it, two things come together. Yeah, the ruins of the abbey in the woods. The, the things that are the most beautiful to us is where we're able to be us. The badger is not comfortable, you know, on the other side of the forest from its burrow with no way to get back and having no idea where the burrow is. It has to start all over and make a burrow. Humans wanting to live with other humans in towns is not uh, a fault in us. W- not knowing how to do everything is not a fault in us. Our own, we have, we're limited by time, we're limited by space. And in the end, our own nature is we want to be with other people. But we also just want ourselves and everyone else to not constantly drag ourselves down for fear of who we actually are. Lorekeeper out. All right, so... Yeah, if you like what what we do, consider uh, supporting us on Patreon, buy us a coffee, keep an eye out for the upcoming website, which uh, hopefully will be going live soon. Follow us on Telegram. You, You know all the things. All right, see you guys next week.